What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, January 31st, 2021. This week's episode, Overeem Returns, Van Zant Knuckles Up. We'll be talking about the week in MMA news, the rumors that the UFC may be going to Singapore this spring. We'll talk about a change-up for the February 20th Fight Night main event, Paige Van Zandt's bare-knuckle debut on Friday, and of course, we will preview UFC Vegas' Alistair Overeem against Alexander Volkov and the Bantamweight co-main event between Corey Sanhagen and Frankie Edgar. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. The Super Bowl is nearly upon us, but I'm more excited about Paige Van Zandt making her BKFC debut. How about you? Are you a Tom Brady fan? Patrick Mahomes? Do you care about any of that stuff? You know what? Um, I, I like Mahomes. You know, like every time he's killing it, I was, you know, in my mind, there goes my homie. You know what I yeah. mean? No, but um, I, I just love his game. I like his style. Uh, he brings it. But then, of course, it's Tom Brady. That's just good television. So I think that the NF, you know, it's probably going to be one of the better Super Bowls in terms of anticipation than you could really um have asked for when you consider it's Tom Brady's first year with the Bucks after dude. the apocalypse. <sighs> Don't remind me. It blows my mind, dude. First of all, I can't stand Tom Brady. No offense to Tom Brady, but, you know, there's people who love him, and then there's people, people who hate him, and that's about it. There's because, no in between. Because he keeps uh, winning, like, or you yeah, just... Uh, see, that's the thing, is like, I say, well, if he was my quarterback, I would love him. But it's not so much because he keeps winning, it's just the face, the attitude, I don't know, it's this, I guess, like an un, undisca- uh, unknown thing. But, but in any case, he's, I cannot deny, right, how great he is, and so... Always, always have to mention that in the same sentence when I say I can't stand the guy. I mean, I think people feel that way about a lot of great fighters, too. So I think that it works. It works. Uh (laughs) I mean, you know, it'll be good. I think what's nice is it's a nice three pack. You got the Paige Van Zandt on Friday. You got UFC on Saturday. And then Sunday you get to enjoy the Super Bowl. So a lot of TV watching for the sports fans in, you know, of America. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, Let's get into it. So no event to recap, a rare off week, but I'm not going to, I'll say I'm not complaining. I mean, when you consider how many consistent weeks we had last year, I think that, um, I think it's a little refreshing. I think that it allows anticipation to rebuild. I know that for a lot of fans, it's like, well, I'd rather have some MMA than no MMA, but you know, guys, it's coming. And remember, the more they space it out, they tend to stack the events a little better, so it works better that way. Um, But the big one, Natalie, is these rumors for UFC 261. So it's the expectation that 261 will be the April pay-per-view. But then the big thing that's coming out this week is that it is rumored that it's going to be taking place in Singapore. So obviously this would be huge because this would be the first time not Vegas not Fight Island since last March and the, you know, and the dawn of the apocalypse. Um, the rumors are it's going to be headlined by Zhang Li. Obviously, the expectation is against Rose Namajunas, but we do know, obviously, that could, you know, change up and they go with Carla Esparza if negotiations break down. And then finally, I am hearing reports, although not un- not confirmed by one of the big dogs yet, but they're saying Yana Yonjechik against um, fellow Chinese uh, UFC fighter Yan Xionan, who defeated Claudia Gadea last, I believe it was November. So a lot, uh, you know, quite the strawweight showcase potentially. But I just want to toss it to you. What are what are your thoughts on just everything as it potentially could shake out? Yeah, I think Singapore would be a great venue. Obviously, they want to keep. Uh, Whaley and, and any other, you know, up, oh, she's not up and coming. She's already at the top of her, um, of her division. And, and the profile is pretty huge in China, but anyone else who they want to build up in the Asian market, you gotta, you gotta stay in Asia. Singapore, uh, is a great place to, to do that. Now, when I look at the potential fights, you're talking about more bang for your buck. If Whaley fights 
new Rose Namajunas just because it'll probably be a brawl, a sick brawl. It might go the distance. It might not. But you're going to get a back and forth with two highly skilled fighters. If it's Whaley versus Esparza, it'll be a totally different fight. Now, Esparza has, has, has improved her stand-up a lot. Um, but she's still she's a wrestler at heart, and a lot of times when you see with with certain grapplers, like they just default to that mode, and so she'll always inevitably go for those takedowns, and is like very persistent about going for them when she's not really sure if anything else will work. And so that's where I think, ah, you know, I won't necessarily feel like I'm getting uh, I'm getting my, my pay per views money's worth if it's a fight against Esparza, um, but. Uh, she's super tough. I really am, am a big fan of hers. She can't have some exciting fights. But Whaley's just like a bulldozer, you know? So that may not go so well. So I'm hoping for Whaley Rose. Joanna versus Yan Xiaonan. Is that how you pronounce that? Close um, enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, no offense, just I haven't uh, done my homework yet. I apologize uh, with the pronunciation. But but yeah, Joanna, I want to see how she's how she's performing. I mean, it's it's predictable and reliable in a good way uh, and um yeah i mean it's it's probably going to be a, a pretty pretty good fight and singapore april i don't know what's going on in that part of the world as far as fans uh do you have any notion of how that venue could look off the t- i know one championship's been back and like for example they're doing demetrius and all that eddie alvarez their big return card in singapore if i'm not mistaken so i do know they've been back i'm not sure the fan situation i thought that it was still an empty house but um yeah i am curious about that is uh i did uh do the conference call and chatri sityo tong the you know the head honcho over there at one he did talk about like, hey, you know, we're at a point where the new cases per day is coming up as zero. Mm. And so what does that mean for fans? Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I don't think, you know, I know that sounds like amazing news, right? But I yeah. think the surefire way to undo all of it is to just prematurely go out there and fill the house just because you feel like everyone's good. So I don't think there is a fan segment yet. However, over the next few months, half capacity, you know, that might start getting experimented with. So I do think that that's something to be um, noted. Uh, Looking at them, well, I guess, did you want to discuss something else before I take over? No, 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 that was it. All all you. Um, Obviously, if you have Whaley Rose, that's got to be the marquee fight just Rose Namajunas' resume, the way she looked against Joanna, one and two, the way she looked against Jessica Andrade, number one, before things, you know, got away from her. Um, the second fight, you know, was a fun one. Um, I think that when you talk about Wei Li, and you brought it up uh, being in Asia, we don't see the numbers, but everything we've been told is that she is huge in China. For example, Americans, we don't have Weibo, like, and they don't have Facebook and Instagram, to my knowledge, over there in China. Okay. Completely different internet, whatever. It, it's complicated, but that's what I understand it. They don't have Google. They have a whole separate browser and all this stuff. But they do have social media. And what I've heard is that Whaley's numbers on their social media when she goes on the TV to do appearances on something is huge. Wow. So what we, you know... We're talking about bringing her to Singapore, and I think this is significant for Yan Shonan against Joanna. Is that um, I asked Yan at the last uh, event that she was um, fighting, and we got her on the call, and I was like, "Well, what do you think?" She's like, "One, she said it would be huge, me and Wei Li in China. Two, she said bluntly, I think I would be a better champion than huh. Wei Li. And I do. People have told me I th- the translator might have." Uh, drop the ball but I tried to push her like why why do you think you'd be a better champion than Wei Li Mm -hmm. she did say you know probably the classic high school thing because I'm prettier than her and I was like oh gosh damn she I know right you hear so nasty (laughs) right it's like okay okay Jan I I see that there's there's beef you know so um when I think about that with the Singapore event Obviously, it'd be huge. 
for Wei Li to get um, Rose Namunas on a resume because you talk about knocking out Andrade, you talk about beating Joanna in the war, you talk about beating Rose, you're talking about now arguably the best straw weight we've ever seen at 115 pounds just on the back of those three women consecutively. Um, secondly, going forward, if, you know, Jan were to upset Joanna, I mean, you're talking about, you know, the Battle of China. I mean, if they bring fans back fall, winter, you know, and they go over there, uh, you got to believe that's a huge event overseas. So I think that's set up. Or you get the uh, possible um, consolation prize, Joanna versus Wei Li 2, which everybody is still excited about. And people are even still talking about if something happens, they could just go and give Joanna to run it back because the first fight has been so well received. So I think it's a just good sign all around. I like that they are giving Wei Li that, that push and that love. And I'm sure that as it gets closer to the fight, she's talked about working on her English. So, you know, you'll see her kind of like Habib eventually has that breakthrough and starts connecting with the fans. I would love to see that for Wei Li because... She already has shown us quite a lot of her ability to connect and obviously perform with the fans and just um, in the cage, too. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a all-around good thing for uh, for that division, for the UFC, for the market. They're still, they're still building up. So, I mean, <laughs> just when you talk about, about what Jan was saying about Whaley, like that, you know, the potential future matchup is, is something. It's, it's, dare I say, fire. It could be fire. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I, I think it's a fun one. Um, I'm more interested. Uh, the Singapore thing just came out of left field because we've been so, you know, Dana White has given us zero idea. You know, we know he wants fans back, but it's like, you know, he's been so just committed to Apex or Fight Island that, you know, Singapore, it's like, oh, well, we're just going to do one out there. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. And. I will say, I don't think that that would happen if it wasn't Wei Li. I think, once again, we just literally may have no idea just how big a star she is overseas because we don't see it personally on our accounts. But, um, yeah, I think that that's a huge deal. I think that says a lot about it. And um, I don't think she, like I said, I don't think he would do it without Wei Li. But my thing is when I hear that, I'm like, could we see, you know, Half capacity Cowboy Stadium this July, something like that. I don't know. I would love that. I think that that um, I think all of it's a good sign for you know, getting out and around. You know, getting back to traveling again and just getting back to quote unquote normal, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Cowboy Stadium. I mean, yeah, Texas is already having people in in events, but um, they have fill up for the Cowboy games, NFL. Yeah. So it's like, so, it is possible. Yeah, what, what, I wonder what's holding the UFC back. I think it's probably just money. Like, they probably just want to wait a little bit to make sure they can really get, like, it can be worth the, 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 the cost for all the hoopla it takes to move the entire show to Texas when they've already got it pretty easy. Or so, I don't know. I mean, the thing about it is just they... um. It's just the cost. Remember, you got to rent the venue. You got to pay for personnel, concessions, the, uh, fan, you know, the booth with all the posters and all that. Um, if it's in the stadium, you, you know, they sell that. And then, you know, medical. There's always a medic at all these big venues. Um, so you all of that adds up. Then remember, if you're only at half capacity, you still want it to be you still want to make a profit. And so you're talking about how much money our fans going to pay. If they're only going to pay a certain ticket amount that you want to make it a big event. When you have a big event, you tend to have to pay more people out who are pay-per-view draws. It becomes a whole thing. So I think that's why Dana at the end of the day has just been sell out or not. I think that the Abu Dhabi deal just, you know, they've been so great that he's like, look, I mean, I'm making some profit over not, and you guys may be footing the bill. So, but yeah, I, I feel like this is a sign as more of it just happens. I mean, this could be January fans, 
April, potential fans. I mean, I feel like that's just inching forward to, you know, going back to fans in the United States. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's move on. We've got a couple things else going on. Real quick, Jorginho Rosenstrike and Cyril Gunn. Now they're headlining February 20th. Um, there's not been a reason why, but it is confirmed that Dominic Reyes and Jiri Prochaska um, just is going to be rescheduled for a later date. So whether that's injury or illness, we don't know. But the heavyweights will be on display Natalie, that's a big deal because I believe, you know, I believe all this month you have heavyweights. You have Overeem this Saturday. Now you got Rosenstrike and Gone. And to my knowledge, I want to say that Curtis Blades and um, Derek Lewis was rescheduled for February. So literally that entire heavyweight division could be sorted out right before um, Stipe and Nganu next month. What are your thoughts? Wow, that's that's good for the division... And good for whoever has the best performance that gets them, you know, potentially the next title shot. Except since they're all so close together, it means that everyone's just going to have to wait another long bit of time before they can start um, getting things going again. So, like, if, you know, Stipe fights, he always seems to take a lot of time off. Maybe this time he won't. Um, And obviously the last year has been the pandemic and all that. Um, So, you know, depending on how he comes out of his fight, it could be another sit sit and wait kind of scenario, but but maybe not. Maybe they will be ready to go and defend the belt, or maybe he'll retire. I mean, what more do you need to prove, right? Already already defended the belt more than any other heavyweight. He's made it clear that he was the better fighter against DC, which was going to always be the asterisk in his career if he didn't go for that third that third fight. Um, and uh, if he beats Ngannou again it would be it would be the the sort of um feather in his cap right because he beat him Stalin the first time but there's always that well it was Nganu was still new and blah 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 now we know Nganu's striking is much improved he's a much better MMA fighter he's a way bigger threat to everybody in the division so it could be a big deal I'm kind of turning this into a Stipe is going to retire thing but but that's where my mind ultimately ends up is like what's he going to want to do after that and then that'll help decide what happens to these other guys win or lose in their fights. Um, I do want to just add a quick correction. Uh, Jarzinho and Gone are 20, February 27th. It's uh, Blades and Lewis that are February 20th. So one week later, but the fact is they're packed in there. Um, you know what? And we're going to talk about it in a minute. But for me, the big thing, once again, is just all of these players just the fact that so many of them have fought each other so you know if Curtis Blades win you know if Alistair Overeem wins well now he's lost to both Jarzinho and Curtis Blades who are fighting ahead of him and Alistair's on a big win streak and then you talk about okay well you know what do we do I know Curtis Blades says he likes Rosenstrike potentially um remember there's the whole John Jones factor like you have all these surging contenders and then, you know, they could all be pushed to the side with John Jones. So it, to me, I think that it's exciting because, you know, all of these guys fighting earlier, they really want to see who wins later. Because if, you know, the right ma- if the right guys lose, I'll say it like that, you could have guys like Overeem jumping in there. If uh, Stipe beats Ngannou suddenly Curtis Blades, oh my gosh, this is what you've wanted. You know, if Nganu won, you're not getting that title shot likely because of the way it happened twice. So I think that you put all that together, it makes for just this very exciting time. You know all the heavyweights are going to be watching each other, checking their phone, who wins, who loses. I think it's good stuff for the just the division in general. Um, perfect world, it's... Lewis or Blades, well, obviously, Lewis or Blades will win. They fight someone like Jarzinho, and then, you know, the winner of that one waits for the title shot after Stipe and Ganu and Jones sort it all out. But, um, yeah, it's just any way you go with those turns, it just makes for such an exciting just division. And I just really want to see where they go from here. Yeah, John Jones, he, he he messes things up too, right? In a in a good way, but 
if I'm anybody but Nganu, Stipe, John Jones, I'm like, ah, oh, geez, gotta wait. Probably gonna be waiting. Probably gonna be waiting. Like after you go through your round robin, it's gonna be uh, either fight the same people again or see what happens and be a, be a stand. I'm not going to say it. We'll wait and see. I'm not going to say that, but that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, we definitely will. There's only, you know, time will tell for sure. Um, but yeah, moving on, just really, you know, a lot of busyness. Let's get to Friday. And that's Paige Van Zandt taking on Britain Hart. It's going to be, I, I love the name, Knucklemania. The fact that it's taken like two or three years for them to freaking call it something cool like that is just beyond me. I don't know who dropped the ball, did not think of that sooner. I guess they don't want to like copy WrestleMania, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so Paige Van Zandt, it's going to knuckle up. So if you look at Tapology, you'll see that Britain Hart um, not been the most successful in her career so far. But very tough. She, you'll remember she fought Beck Rawlings when Beck Rawlings really turned the corner and became the, you know, quote-unquote queen of bare knuckles. So a lot of that going on. I will say I feel like they picked out the opponent best suited to make Paige shine in her debut. I think that Britain's just going to throw hands, but at the end of the day, this is one for Paige to beat somebody in a fun fight. What I will say now is that Natalie, so they're stacking the event. They got, if you look at it, they have like yeah. so many fights announced. What needs to happen for Paige to be able to kind of help usher in this, to put it on the level of the LFAs and the Invictas? Not UFC yet. I'm not going to talk crazy, but what needs to happen to get bare knuckle to that level, in your opinion? It has to be a. a a bloody war that that doesn't look like two girls two women fighting in like a backyard you know what i mean like it it has to have technique at least one person has to have it and and, and i'm hoping it's page and i'm like she's scrappy and her striking sort of looks good when she's hitting mitts but in the cage she gets a little wild right britain hart definitely gets gets a little wild gets a little sloppy but she's She's blue collar and she's got a lot of grit, but so does Paige Van Zandt, which is always like the surprise with her, right? She, she, and she plays it up. She looks like the kind of person that wouldn't have that, that grit, that fight, but she certainly does. So I think what we need to see, what's going to get people to say, did you see that fight, man? You got to go watch it on YouTube or whatever. Uh, a lot of back and forth. There's got to be some bloodshed. There's got to be some good heart shots. Someone's got to get knocked down. But Van Zandt has to look like the cleaner fighter for people to want to tune in again, for people to say, yeah, BKFC isn't just, you know, backyard brawling. These guys, these 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 fighters really have some talent, some skill, and some heart. So she's at American Top Team. That's an excellent gym to be in. She's been there for six or so months, I think, right? And that gives me a lot of confidence that she's getting the proper boxing training. Now, also, though, Reminder that boxing and bare knuckle fighting are different, right? You're in the same stance, but look, trained for for BKFC and what it should look like. The the defense is different. You um, you don't want to hit with full power immediately. Hit at the body, soften the person up, then go to the top um, because you'll destroy your hands if you if you just go punching for face. So I hope that. Paige Van Zandt has done her homework. I hope her team has done their homework and not just trained her for like a, you know, sweet science boxing match, but for literally a bare knuckle fight. You got to fight intelligently, um, but, but skillfully as well. And, and we know she has it. She has, she has it in her to, to get into a scrap, but I don't want it to be like that the entire time. So, so we'll see, but I'm, I'm very, very excited. Um, when Bay KFC first came out, I watched, I think, first three or four of their events and then kind of fell off and so your question you know also applies to me like i want to see something that's going to make me tune back into the next the next event and i think that's what it'll take yeah when you watch the invictas and the lfas you're watching the feeder system you are watching you know like the future stars of tomorrow xyz they do a good job of branding that and when you look at their resume of how many Invicta and LFA alumni go on to do good stuff in UFC, that helps the sell. It's also not on pay-per-view. Uh, 
with BKFC, it's in this weird spot because it is not a feeder system. If anything, it tends to grab its popularity from putting exciting guys who you know aren't competing with the best of the best in the bigger leagues anymore, which is fine. But when you now put that there, you now talk about putting it on pay-per-view. And the fact is, if you were not going to pay to watch these guys, you know, on a UFC pay-per-view, for example, it's hard to get people to justify, oh, I'm going to watch them to do bare knuckle. That is one of the things that makes the Tyson-Roy Jones event so special, right? Is that they were able to actually get enough interest to get people to tune in to watch these 50-plus-year-old guys fight. You know, think about that happening anywhere else. You would laugh your butt off and, you know, be like, heck no. But their star power got it there. There's not as many of those guys willing to do that for bare knuckle. So I think that's the big challenge at the end of the day. With Paige, you clearly have a young star. You clearly have somebody who people know, um, who a lot of people tune in to watch because of her popularity. Remember, she has a big fan base, not just from MMA, but all the other stuff she does. You got guys who will pay any dollar amount to see her, whether, you know, from her time on Sports Illustrated and all that, whether it's UFC, whether it's Bellator, you know, she brings in that audience. I believe that on, you know, Paige is great, but you have to, you know, I, I think that BKFC has to pay to play. I think you have to bring in the, you know, the Polymelinages of the, you know, the business. You got to find these guys, you know, who have been there, who maybe still got a lot of fight in them, but maybe their time, their heyday in their business, their sport is done, and just honestly bring them in. Because I think that what you have as it's currently constituted isn't going to be enough to consistently bring in people. What That's why the Artem lobov Polly fight was so great, is that, oh my gosh, this just the storyline, they were able to get two guys who still had some fight, who are still solid, it works. So I think that when you have Paige, you just got to build it around her and then it'll happen. You get what I mean? But um, yeah, yeah, you just you got to pay to get the right people in. You got to pay to get people who, you know, will get fans to contribute to the price. Paige Van Sant at 40 bucks alone, uh, that's going to be pushing it. I don't expect it to, you know, it's not going to be pulling in Tyson Jones, Mayweather, you know numbers but it'll do okay reasonably you know in uh what am i trying to say oh i blanked out on it anyway just relatively speaking that's what i was trying to get at yeah um i'm looking forward to it i think the fact that they're um doing it super bowl weekend you know people kind of that you know like i heard it like fans just want something to watch you know, they don't want to just sit and wait for the Super Bowl and they don't watch the, you know, Hall of Fame. I think that's going to get a lot of people excited personally. Yeah, too bad they can't they can't do something that would give them more exposure. The pay-per-view is a major limiting factor. Oops, sorry, I dropped something. Uh, it's a major limiting factor because the price is, eh, you know, if it was 20 if it was nineteen ninety nine, okay, I could do that. But you're getting close to a number that's like not that long ago we were paying for regular boxing and UFC, right? And this is still relatively new. It still feels a little bit like a freak show, right? I don't necessarily view it that way, but it still has that vibe. And they kind of play into it a lot with certain fighters. Um, I don't know what it would take for a cable channel, a cable like, you know, Spike maybe if they were still around might have been into it. Um, If there's another channel out there that could be interested, but... ESPN, uh, you know, would we ever see VKFC on ABC? Probably not. But what's the difference? You know, they're still punching each other in the face. They're still bleeding, making each other bleed. But I don't know. There's something about fighting in a more natural way that makes people uncomfortable, which is strange. It's like if you put gloves on, uh, I can tolerate that a little bit better than if you don't. Uh, you know, we're just kind of funny people. It's about the presentation think that's all it is it's just how it's presented to us that's what gets people it's not the actual face punching i think that people are actually more okay with that than we might imagine but yeah it is what it is 
Uh, I will say, going back to it, like when they talk about the cell, like, and we touched on it with the Ben Askren, Jake Paul, the Logan Paul Mayweather thing. You remember that? And, you know, they Mm -hmm. talked about there was a lack of interest. And uh, I bring this up to relate it to Bare Knuckle because I think that is an example of what Bare Knuckle can learn from to not do. Because when they talked about the Mayweather Logan Paul and they're like, oh, well, there was a, quote, lack of interest or something. And I'm like, were they promoting it? Were they getting out? Because to my knowledge, I think a lot of people thought it was fake. And it's like, no, you guys are really serious. It's just none of you guys are getting out there talking to the ESPNs or the Helwanis or the whoever to show like, no, this is legit. We're really doing it. You know, it just kind of seemed more like a prank that Logan and Mayweather were, you know, paying into. And I'm like, I feel like, uh, if anything, I don't know if lack of interest is a thing. If you're telling me people were interested in Logan Paul KSI to Phillips Staples Center, you can't tell me there was not interest to see Logan Paul Mayweather. There just couldn't have been. So I think that that's something for bare knuckle get out there get your guys out there get try to push for them to do interviews with some of the places that they are maybe not you know doing get them to los angeles have a media day have an open workout you know get the reporters to really just get interested i think that that's something they got to learn from is just it can't just be you know and, and i know we're limited with COVID and the apocalypse right now but you know you got to almost get your people out there to bring them in. Because sometimes, you know, you, it's not just build it, they will come to you. You kind of need to paint the big sign and put the signs on the freeway telling them where you are. So, you know, they will come to the structure you have built. Yeah, why do you think ESP, like Paige Benzant is is a known quantity. Why wouldn't they be interested? Like if she was fighting in the UFC, you know that they would have done some kind of interview on ESPN. With her, like the you know UFC would have arranged something. You really think that ESPN doesn't want to talk to her, or do you think that the UFC has a little bit of a stronger pool on on what they cover MMA wise? Because, I mean, they don't cover Bellator, right? They don't. I know why they promote UFC content on their channel because they have a deal. But as far as just like the news, the general news, it seems like they could have found a spot for her to to do a little one on one. But I don't know. I have a theory. Okay. I think that, um, for one, remember that when you talk about ESPN and UFC and the level of access that they have, when you have the ability to break every UFC news story, potentially, um, it kind of, I mean, there's only so many hours in a day. Like, if you're Brett Okamoto or someone like that, you know, just pick any of them, and you have all that UFC access... Do you really still have time in your schedule to now also be worried about the entire Bellator roster when the entire UFC roster, which is a lot bigger, is already open to you? I think that's part of it. I think that, um, you know, and then in terms of the why is Paige Van Zandt not getting a, a bit of love, I would assume that while it is a very interesting and intriguing venture, people see it as, you know, Look at Britain Hart's record. Everyone knows that this is supposed to be a showcase for Paige. It's not this big intrigue. It's not this, oh, she's fighting. I don't know. Pick one of the other girls out there who's really popular in her weight class. Just pick somebody. It's not that. Literally, they're building a card and they're charging people to see her shine. Not to fight. She has been given an opponent that on paper, she has every reason she should be able to beat and probably dominate. And I think that that's ESPN recognizes that. And it's like, there's not, we'd almost be like being a part of the play. We kind of always are as media, but I think that's what it is essentially. Is that, oh, like, I'm going to pretend like you're having a real good fight when Paige, your record's great and you're fighting you know, a woman who I believe, I don't know if she has a victory or at least a draw, but her record is not good. I mean, that's fair. So it's not ESPN, but maybe like... She's talked to Junkie. She's talked to a few. I've seen them. Okay. Then then I'm But, you know, we had this thing, this guy called Conor McGregor fighting recently. I mean, you know... 
There's not as much time to talk about Paige and BKFC. Yeah, and now the Super Bowl is upon us, so I guess, I guess it is what it is. Right. Anyway, but I, yeah, this Friday, Van Sant versus Hart, Knucklemania. It'll be good I'm TV. I'm watching. I'm watching. Are you watching? Of course. Yeah. I gotta see this. <laughs> no, but um, no, it should be a good show. Chris Lieben. He always brings it. Really nice guy. Uh, you know, for people who don't remember him since he left UFC, family man now, just reserved, coaching, um, uh, referees the fights. And I've asked him, it's like, you know, like, do you like, do you ever have that moment? Do guys ask you like, Chris, like, talk to me about tough, you know, knocking out Vanderlei, stuff like that. And He's like, no, I don't want to ever be the old guy back in my day. So really interesting. It's always good to see him back in action because you know his history and his journey. So very interesting. It's not just the Paige show. And you know what? He had a great one. He posted like one of Paige's, you know, her photo shoot doing, you know, the sexy pose. And then he had his picture next to her. And it's like, tune in to see two hot people compete on Friday or something. And I was like, oh my God, it's <laughs> priceless. Um, Natalie, let's talk about what people came to see. It's not BKFC Daily. It is MMA Daily. UFC Vegas, they return to the beautiful state of Nevada. And it's going to be a very interesting heavyweight main event. Let's start co-main because I feel like we're just going to go right back into it. Um, Bantamweight, three-rounder. Corey Sanhagen, Frankie Edgar, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, we, Corey Sanhagen we, <laughs> is coming off that spectacular win over Marlon Marais with that, like, a spinning wheel kick at the very end of round one. And he was already pretty much winning that round. But that was spectacular. And so this is going to be interesting. You know, he was still... When he came to the UFC, it was a lot of high expectations, not a great debut, but then came around and defeated Aljamain Sterling, had a lot of great, great wins. And so um, when Corey Sanhagen finished him the way he did, it was it was a great mark for Corey and kind of a moment of questioning Marlon's, the trajectory of Marlon's career at this point, like, which direction is it going in? But then you have Frankie Edgar, who has pretty much done it all. He's run the gamut at 55, was the champion, 45. I think this is his second fight at 35. Correct me if I'm wrong, um, but this is still, you know, a new, a new thing for him. Usually, fighters don't go down in weight as they get older, and he's he's a wily veteran, and he's still got pop, man. He's still got pop. He's still got bounce. Ultimately, though, I think Sanhagen is just um, because of his physique and his flow, is gonna be the better fighter that night. But um, I'm curious what Frankie's going to bring to the table. I mean, I think about how he how he neutralized Yari Rodriguez. Can he try to do the same thing to someone like Corey Sanhagen, who was who was um, submitted by Aljamain Sterling not that long ago in round one? So there are definitely certainly deficits that Frankie Edgar could capitalize on, especially with that veteran savvy. But Corey Hansagen dismantled Marlon Moraes. So um, it's going to be, you know, definitely the... Uh, the goat versus the kid or something like that. That's what they were saying about the Super Bowl. I could sort of see how this this has some of that same uh, shine on it. Um, how do you see it? Are, are you looking forward to this more than the main event? Because I certainly am. A little bit, um, just because I feel like it's a weird situation for um, Overeem and uh, Volkov, but I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, yeah, I think that for Corey Sanhagen and Frankie Edgar, I think that if you're Frankie and you're legit about getting that last shot at a title at this stage of your career in your third weight class after everything at 155 and 145, this is the epitome of one of those guys you got to beat. Corey Sanhagen, talented, young, hungry, talent, you know, just dangerous. Like you look at what he can do. The fight with Aljamain notwithstanding, I think that that just spoke to how great Aljo is. And I think that that just really, you know, in context, he just caught, you know, two talented guys and one caught the other pretty quick. Yeah. But to me, um, 
Frankie, you know, I always say he's like everyone's favorite uh, flavor of ice cream. No matter where, when you get it, you know exactly what you're going to get. The cardio, the durability, the output. Um, he didn't look worse for wear at 135. It looked like he was able to take the shots, um, you know, rather well. I didn't feel like, oh, you know, he's not taking them as well as when he was hydrated and bigger, you know, 45 and 55. But with Corey Sanhagen, you're talking about a guy who's just so tall, um, multifaceted. Um, even if, like, look, I, I take the Marlon Marais knockout out of it because that one was so fast. I think that you have a guy who's proven to be so slick and so great at using their height and reach advantage. You know he's training takedown defense every day. You know he's ready, you know, been running and doing his extra road work to be ready for five rounds with Frankie. It's just very tough, and I think that when you look at the Bantamweight division with TJ Dillashaw and Cody and all these guys potentially um, coming up and down and, you know, Rob Font now, he wants to get back in that mix. And I think that if Pewter Jan, for example, beats Aljo, I mean, how can you not consider Corey Sanhagen? Especially, you know, depending on how long it takes to see TJ Dillashaw come back. I think that Corey, with an impressive performance... He could get himself right there in line for Pewter if he wins. Um, obviously, if Aljo wins, that's another conversation, and we'll get into that, you know, in March. But I think for now, you know, this is a big one for it. Um, I'll go prediction first. I feel like um, Frankie Edgar needs to get him down. I think that uh, I, I don't see his style working against a guy with the attributes of Corey Sanhagen. I think that Pedro Munoz work because they're closer in size. Corey is so tall. I see Frankie really struggling to get, you know, like work, you know, the head to the body and all that with his boxing and all that. He's going to need a wrestle. And I think Corey's just ready for it. I think that he's got the expertise he needs. I think he's got all the abilities he needs. Keep the fight on the feet. Just work the work Frankie Edgar from a distance, a la Max Holloway. Uh, slow but steady, but Corey Sanhagen, unanimous decision. Yeah, man, I'm on the same page with you. I thought maybe, you know, I could see a Corey Sanhagen TKO if this were a five-rounder, and I could see that maybe in round four or five. But three rounds, I think we're going to go uh, to decision, and Corey's going to just be able to outpoint him and... Um, neutralize Frankie Edgar actually keep him from doing what he does best with his groundwork taking takedowns and stuff I think Corey's gonna be able to keep his distance and leg kicks you know that jab that he peppers peppers you with I think he's gonna he's gonna have a nice victory on the on Saturday and now the main event <laughs> Alistair over I'm trying to I'm not gonna say that line anymore I'm working on it um but yeah so um look three rounder for the Bantamweights the heavyweights get the fully scheduled five Alistair Overeem taking on Alexander Volkov um uh, okay so once again real quick obviously this is tough because um Overeem and uh, Volkov have the loss to Curtis Blades who fights you know essentially in going to be a little less essentially two weeks after fight night um secondly uh volkov has the loss to lewis this suddenly becomes hey you know can you pitch a potential rematch for either of these guys it gets very tough that's unfortunate because they both perform really well volkov had the bounce back with walt harris overeem's been looking pretty good lately um, to me, Natalie, I think that um, you can only focus on what's in front of you. I think that, you know, we've seen plenty of things happen. Guys get hurt. Guys get, get sick. Suddenly, the next man up. So, you know, as much as it's like, well, there's nowhere to go after this, you really just have to get out there and perform. So, um, and I just realized, you know, both Volkov and Overeem have both, the, no, sorry, Volkov has the loss to both Blades and Lewis. Overeem just has the loss to Blades. But um, the point is you got to just be impressive. And I think that right now, stylistically, this fight really bodes well for Overeem. 
I think that his physicality really sets him apart. I think his ability to just get in close, put that pressure on you really works. The thing about it is he could be very patient. I think he really needs to put the pressure on. I think he needs to try to push forward. I think he needs to make Volkov feel his presence early because if he doesn't, we know Alexander Volkov is very good at using his height, using his range. If they keep it striking, this is a very even fight in the middle of the octagon. I think that Overeem really needs to push him if he's going to get the victory. If you're Volkov, you got to keep him at a distance and you got to let some things rip. You got to let the kicks go. You got to let your hands go a little bit. That's going to make Overeem cautious. That's where we've really seen him struggle over the past several years. What about you? What do you think? Well, I'm still feeling the way I felt last week regarding this could be one of those heavyweight fights where the two opponents just sort of circle each other for longer than we want them to and what you know could be an exciting knock heavyweight knockout fight um, ends up going the distance with you know one person outpointing the other with like I'm a little nervous about that being the outcome, but I like what you're saying about Overeem and in general that one of these guys needs to pop. They, they need to do something to to stand out in the crowd, especially as we just talked about the heavyweight division. Everyone's fighting close to each other and the, the three or four big names at the top are really big names. And so if you want to get in there with those guys, you got to do something cool in your first round of fights here. So probably that will be Overeem who even though can be like frustratingly patient these days with his performance, his output, um, can still pull the trigger and do something cool. And by cool, I mean knock somebody out or, you know, hurt somebody really badly with a body body kick. So I'm hoping that he does that, even if we have to sit through or suffer through, depending on how you look at it, a little bit of frustration, a little bit of slow go while they feel each other out. I think eventually Overeem's going to be the one who's going to get the pop and do something to... Uh, to cause some damage to Volkov to really change the energy in the fight. Do shall I make my pick now? Uh, yeah, sorry, there was pause. I didn't know if you were doing it for dramatic effect. Um, <laughs> you know what? Go ahead, hit me with it. I love dramatic pauses, but that was not what. <laughs> but it ended kind of weird, so I, I I get it. Um, yeah, I think, and more importantly, I hope, Alistair Overeem, um gets a finish i think it's gonna still take a little bit i think he'll tko volkov in round four uh over him on volkov you said yes yes all right just making sure it's like wait i you know sometimes i almost feel like i listen to you too fast um you know what oh this this is a lot closer fight than i think a lot of people might give credit for i think that volkov um one of the more underappreciated heavyweights i personally love his game i think that he implements his striking so well for a tall guy and just is on a technical level very good i think that to me the physicality of overeem i think that his ability to just kind of get in your face and make you feel like he's the demolition man he makes you feel like he's that guy um you know who is tearing it up in strike force i think that he still has a bit of that effect and mind you, I think the guys who have beaten him, they tend to be guys, you know, blades a little bit with the wrestling, but more in Ganu, like the horsepower. You really just need to have, you know, just that straight up, uh, just dynamite in your hands. Volkov has decent power like every heavyweight does, but I don't think he feels like, oh, if I throw a bomb and he throws a bomb, I will put him down first. I just don't think he has that. And I think that that's going to be the key factor think that Overeem's very prepared. Remember, they were going to fight before. They've had a little bit of experience researching and getting ready for each other. I just think that Overeem's in a great run. He's in a great just uh, streak right now, and I think stylistically he matches up well. I think he's going to get in his face, work the body, work the legs, come over the top, and just do the damage he needs. I'm actually going to go second round TKO for Overeem. Ooh. I think that he's got it. Okay. Well, yeah. as usual, I hope yours happens over mine that way. I don't have to sit through 
two so, extra so, rounds oh my before god before i get my knockout what? what an mma fan i am enjoy your television you know <laughs> but yeah so we are um yeah so there we are Corey sanhagen in the bantamweight division then we have alistair overeem at you know in the night's main event a lot of good stuff you know like obviously you know they're getting back to work i expect to see just a very you know, it's the first one back at the Apex in 2021. So I'm interested to see if they come up with anything new for the graphics and all that. So always interesting when they come back, see if, you know, what are they kicking off 2021 with? Um, Natalie, next week, back to pay-per-view already. UFC 258, Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns. You got the return of Macy Barber in there. Um, just what are your thoughts on the fight? Do you think that there's going to be, this is my real first thought, do you think there's going to be any pay-per-view problems, streaming problems like there were with the Conor McGregor-Poirier fight? Absolutely not. <laughs> there, yeah. I, I think that that's the difference between Conor McGregor fighting and other people fighting. Yeah. They're going to be personal. calling us to buy the pay-per-view. Can you please buy our pay-per-view? Uh, uh, but I will, of course, still, still pay for it. Gosh, that was frustrating. We never really talked about how frustrating that experience was. <laughs> to get the pay-per-view but in any case Kamaru Burns uh, Usman Burns um I want to I'm more excited just to see Usman continue to work his way through um to, to defend his belt again see how that looks um you know the Masvidal fight was built up because of the short notice and everything to be a more exciting fight than for me it turned out to be so let's see what he does with with Burns they're friends um I think they split camps again this time around I'm not sure but that's what they did the last time. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see how does Usman look. Is he still is he still the man to beat at the top? What does Burns have to offer? Um, so excited, but not not you know dying to pay sixty four ninety nine for that. I'll be honest. Is it still sixty four? I thought they moved it to sixty nine ninety nine. Well, I still pay sixty four ninety nine, and maybe I'm on some like grandfather deal from signing up early or something. I don't know. I was gonna say I thought the prices went up, and I was like, oh boy. I try not to think about the price every time, you know what I mean? But yeah. um, anyway, uh, you know what? With this one, I think that it is sneakily one of the better fights that will be made at welterweight. I think that people are sleeping on Burns. I think that, you know, people may not realize, like, similar to Kamaru, he's just kind of hitting his stride ahead of his first title shot. And I think that stylistically he has a great game that matches up well with Kamaru. I think that, you know, when you... When you think about like Kamaru Colby and then you look at what Gilbert's been able to do against guys like Woodley and how he looked against Maya, that's a fun fight. I know, look, I, I, I get it. Kamaru's been facing Colby Covington and it was a big event and Jorge Masvidal and it was a big event. Take all the name value out of it. It's stylistically a fun matchup potentially for possibly five rounds. They're both tough, so... I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to sneakily be one of the better fights of the year. That's my prediction. Oh, okay. So Now you got me a little bit more excited. <laughs> I got you to think about it, didn't to I? think about it, yeah. Okay. Isn't it? It's like, you know what? Gilbert does do that stuff really good. And then him and Kamaru, and they train together. So all of those factors. We'll get into X's and O's next month, of course. But guys, that's our show. As always, take care. We'll be back next week to talk about everything and the new developments in the world of mixed martial arts. But until then, have a good one.